Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 237. Today's big Bible question, what is the most underrated advice in the Bible? Well, hello, friends. Happy Thursday to you. Weird and wacky times for us here in Central California. There are fires raging everywhere around us. It's crazy, thanks to a lightning storm with lots of lightning and hardly any rain. There's smoke and ash and haze everywhere, and going outside during the day is really weird because the sun just does not look like it should. It's like a smallish pink orange ball in the sky, and there were no clouds in the sky today, just the smoke, and the smoke is everywhere, and it's crazy. But you can look right at the sun. It doesn't hurt your eyes at all because it's like looking at sort of like a light bulb in the sky. And I've got some pictures on the website, BibleReadingPodcast.com, if you want to check it out and see what it looks like. But honestly, the pictures don't do it justice. But come look and see those pictures because you will see the sun in Salinas and it looks like a little pinprick of, of pink light. It's weird. It's eerie. And when you're outside walking around or working or whatever, and you just kind of catch a glimpse of it out of the corner of your eye, your brain is like, wait, what is that thing in the sky? Because it's not the sun, and it's not the moon, and it's just odd. Well, anyway, please pray for us that we would have rain and grace and a relief from these fires. Our big Bible question of the day is a little bit clickbaity, but mostly accurate. I don't suppose that I could prove that 1 Samuel 12, 24 through 25 is the most underrated advice in the Bible, but it is excellent. And honestly, you rarely hear this verse mentioned, the one we're going to cover today. Well, at least, I guess I can only speak from my own experience. I have rarely heard it quoted in my lifetime. Maybe you, maybe you go to First Baptist Church of 1 Samuel 12, 24 through 25 in Dirt Dauber, Mississippi, but I just haven't heard many people preach on it much, and I myself haven't preached on it much. Well, let's go read the passage, and then we'll discuss it. And by the way, if you're a sharp-eared listener, you might note that yesterday, for the first time ever on the podcast, and we're uh, 230-something episodes in, I forgot to read the focus passage along with the big Bible question. I got to it later. My superiors have placed a written reprimand in my file. They have given me a verbal demerit, and they've reduced my pay for the next three episodes. So remember me and my kids, my friends. Alas, I hope not to make such an egregious mistake again. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Then Samuel said to all of Israel, I have carefully listened to everything you said to me and placed a king over you. Now you can see that the king is leading you. As for me, I'm old and gray and my sons are here with you. I have led you from my youth until now. Here I am. Bring charges against me before the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox or donkey have I taken? Who have I wronged or mistreated? Who gave me a bribe to overlook something? I will return it to you. You haven't wronged us, you haven't mistreated us, and you haven't taken anything from anyone, they responded. And he said to them, The Lord is a witness against you, and his anointed is a witness today that you haven't found anything in my hand. He is a witness, they said. Then Samuel said to the people, The Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron and who brought you your ancestors up from the land of Egypt is a witness. Now present yourselves so I may confront you before the Lord about all the righteous acts he has done for you and your ancestors. 
When Jacob went to Egypt, your ancestors cried out to the Lord, and he sent them Moses and Aaron, who led your ancestors out of Egypt and settled them in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God, so he handed them over to Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, to the Philistines and to the king of Moab. These enemies fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned, for we abandoned the Lord and worshiped the Baals and the Ashtaroths. Now rescue us from the power of our enemies, and we will serve you. So the Lord sent Jerobel, Barak, Jephthah, and Samuel. He rescued you from the power of the enemies around you, and you lived securely. But when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was coming against you, you said to me, No, we must have a king reign over us, even though the Lord your God is your king. Now, here's the king you've chosen, the one you requested. Look, this is the king the Lord has placed over you. If you fear the Lord, worship and obey him. And if you don't rebel against the Lord's command, then both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God. However, if you disobey the Lord and rebel against his command, the Lord's hand will be against you as as, as, as it was against your ancestors. Now, therefore, present yourselves and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Isn't the wheat harvest today? I will call him the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain, so that you will recognize what an immense evil you committed in the Lord's sight by requesting a king for yourselves. Samuel called on the Lord, and on that day the Lord sent thunder and rain, and as a result all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. They pleaded with Samuel, Pray to the Lord your God for your servants so we won't die, for we have added to all our sins the evil of requesting a king for ourselves. And Samuel replied, Don't be afraid. Even though you have committed all this evil, don't turn away from following the Lord. Instead, worship the Lord with all your heart. Don't turn away to follow worthless things that can't profit or rescue you. They are worthless. The Lord will not abandon his people because of his great name and because he is determined to make you his own people. As for me, I vow that I will not sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. I will teach you the good and right way. Above all, fear the Lord and worship him faithfully with all your heart. Consider the great things he has done for you. However, if you continue to do what is evil, both you and your king will be swept away. So I love the above all passages in the Bible. This phrase is a signal to us that something is unusually important. Now, of course, it's all important, but there are some things that are extremely important. Uh, something that Jesus demonstrated for us when he told us the first and greatest commandment in the Bible and the second greatest commandment. So here are a few of the, quote, above all passages in the Bible. Joshua 1.7 Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn it from it to the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. Or 1 Chronicles 22.12 Above all, may the Lord give you insight and understanding when he puts you in charge of Israel so that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Or Proverbs 4.23 Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Colossians 3.14, above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Or James 5.12, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with any other, un other oath, but let your yes mean yes and your no mean no, so that you won't fall under judgment. Or how about 1 Peter 5.8, above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Or 2 Peter 1.20-21, 
Above all, you know this, no prophecy of Scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Finally, 2 Peter 3, 3 and 4, Above all, be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Well, these above all passages are all very important. They tell us what's going to happen in the last days. They tell us that prophecy and scripture don't come about from humans, but from God. They tell us that we're supposed to love one another above all. They tell us to put on love, which makes the perfect bond of unity. They tell us to be strong and courageous, carefully following the instruction of the Lord. And maybe the one that really stands out to me, because it's almost like an anomaly, James 5.12 tells us not to swear. I think that's an interesting inclusion in the above all passages. And I think it's because I don't realize how important integrity is to God. And I've grown up in a culture of casual liars, people who don't take seriously swearing at all. I mean, we even have pinky swears, which you know obviously isn't serious. Vowing, swearing, and covenants are far more serious in the Bible than what the average American or the average Westerner might think. But that's not our topic today. Our topic is Samuel's above all ending to his last public speech in 1 Samuel 12, 24 and 25. Let's read it again. Uh, because it's so great. And he says, above all, fear the Lord and worship him faithfully with all your heart. Consider the great things he has done for you. However, if you continue to do what is evil, both you and your king will be swept away. So it ends there with that warning. If you continue in evil, it is going to result in evil against you. It is going to result in judgment and discipline and bad things coming. But I really want to focus on verse 24 the advice of Samuel. Above all, fear the Lord and worship him faithfully with all your heart. Consider the great things he has done for you. And if you break it down, you can break that verse, that most underrated bit of advice in the Bible, at least that's what I'm christening it, into three separate parts. Number one, says Samuel, Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, says Psalm 111.10. It's also the beginning of knowledge, says Proverbs 1.7. Now that's interesting. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Walking in the fear of the Lord will prolong your life, says Proverbs 10.27. And actually, Proverbs 14.27 is very similar. It says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning people away from the snares of death. So the fear of the Lord has this rescuing power. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. One will sleep at night without danger. That's uh, interesting. It's also, it's almost oxymoronic because normally fear will keep you awake. But the word of God says the fear of the Lord will allow you to sleep well. Yeah, of course, fearing other things is going to keep you awake, but fearing the Lord will allow you to sleep well. Finally, the fear of the Lord is a source of confidence and protection for your family, says Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children have a refuge. So that's part one of Samuel's underrated advice. Part two, worship him faithfully all with all your heart. And this is almost certainly a rephrasing of the first and greatest commandment, which has been around since Deuteronomy times. Uh, and I remind you that 
Jesus was asked about this in Matthew 22, 36-37. Teacher, which command is the greatest, said an expert in the law. And Jesus said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. Now Samuel adds faithfully to this. Worship him faithfully with all your heart. Which shows the importance, I think, of not just engaging in occasional worship, or irregular worship, or only worshiping God when it's convenient or doing during times of trouble or whatever, but Samuel is exhorting the Israelites and us by extension here to live a life of consistent and faithful and long-term, regular, often worship, wholehearted worship for our entire lives. Finally, the last thing he says, and this is this is such a beautiful thing for us to do that we don't often consider or remember the great things he has done for you. So that's so important, both both for the Jews and Christians today. God has been good to us, so good to us, but our minds are not like steel traps, at least mine isn't, and we too often forget. And we sort of get into a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of mode. Over and over in Scripture, God and His prophets, teachers, pastors, shepherds, and leaders exhort the people of God to remember and remind themselves of all of the wonderful things God has done. Remembering and considering what God did was the basis of the Passover, which is probably the most significant holy day practiced by the Jewish people. For instance, we see in Exodus 13.3, Moses said to the people, Remember this day when you came out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, for the Lord brought you out of here by the strength of his hand. The lack of remembering and considering the great deeds of the Lord led Israel to downfall after downfall, during the period of the judges and the kings that came after them. Judges 8.4 says, The Israelites did not remember the Lord their God who had rescued them from the hand of the enemies around them. Over and over, the Psalms in worship remind us to remember and consider the great acts and deeds of the Lord. Psalms 105.5-6 says, Remember the wondrous works He has done, His wonders and the judgments He has pronounced, you offspring of Abraham, his servant, Jacob's descendants, his chosen ones. Remembering and considering the great thing God has done for us is honestly the heart and soul of so many of the Psalms, particularly ones like Psalms 103, which starts out this way, My soul, bless the Lord. Do not forget all his benefits. He forgives your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things and your youth is renewed like the eagle. Friends, we've got to do what Samuel is telling us here to consider and remember and ponder and keep in the front of our mind, not the back, not the attic, not uh, the, the storage place of our mind, but the front of our mind, the great things that God has done for us, which obviously for us begins with the death of Jesus on the cross paying the price for our sins, the gospel. But that's not all he's done for us. He's also secured us adoption as sons and heirs of with Christ and of Christ uh, by the resurrection. He has, um, he has delivered us multiple times. He has blessed us multiple times. We must consider and remember the great things that he has done for us. So, let me read one more time. Let's read through Samuel's closing finale, last thing in his public speech. This is a great verse for you and I to memorize and meditate on. 1 Samuel 12, 24 through 25. 
Above all, fear the Lord and worship Him faithfully with all your heart. Consider the great things He has done for you. However, if you continue to do what is evil, both you and your king will be swept away. So let's remember and let's consider and let's fear the Lord and worship Him wholeheartedly, dear friends. Jeremiah chapter 49 verse 1. About the Ammonites, this is what the Lord says. Does Israel have no sons? Is he without an heir? Why then has Milcom dispossessed Gad and his people settled in their cities? Therefore, look, the days are coming, this is the Lord's declaration, when I will make the shout of battle heard against Rabath of the Ammonites. It will become a desolate mound and its surrounding villages will be set on fire. Israel will dispossess their dispossessors, says the Lord. Wail, Heshbon, for Ai is devastated. Cry out, daughters of Rabbah. Clothe yourselves with sackcloth and lament. Run back and forth within your walls, because Milcom will go into exile, together with his priests and officials. Why do you boast about your valleys, your flowing valley, you faithless daughter? You who trust in your treasures and say, who can attack me? Look, I'm about to bring terror on you. This is the declaration of the Lord God of armies. From all those around you, you will be banished, each person headlong with no one to gather up the fugitives. But after that, I will restore the fortunes of the Ammonites. This is the Lord's declaration. About Edom, this is what the Lord of armies says. Is there no longer wisdom in Teman? Has counsel perished from the prudent? Has their wisdom rotted away? Run, turn back, lie low, residents of Dedan. For I will bring Esau's calamity on him. At the time I punish him, if grape harvesters come to you, came to you, wouldn't they leave a few grapes? Were thieves to come in the night, they would destroy only what they wanted. But I will strip Esau bare. I will uncover his secret places. He will try to hide, but he will be unable. His descendants will be destroyed along with his relatives and neighbors. He will exist no longer. Abandon your fatherless. I will preserve them. Let your widows trust in me. For this is what the Lord says, If those who do not deserve to drink the cup must drink it, can you possibly remain unpunished? You will not remain unpunished, for you must drink it too. For by myself I have sworn, this is the Lord's declaration, Bajra will become a desolation, a disgrace, a ruin, and an example for cursing, and all its surrounding cities will become ruins forever. I have heard an envoy from the Lord, a messenger has been sent among the nations. Assemble yourselves to come against her, rise up for war. I will certainly make you insignificant among the nations, despised among humanity. As to the terror you cause, your arrogant heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock, you who occupy the mountain summit, though you elevate your nest like the eagles, even from there I will bring you down. This is the Lord's declaration. Edom will become a desolation. Everyone who passes by her will be appalled and scoff because of all her wounds. As when Sodom and Gomorrah were overthrown along with their neighbors, says the Lord, no one will live there. No human being will stay in it even temporarily. Look, it will be like a lion coming from the thickets of the Jordan to the watering, grazing land. I will chase Edom away from her land in a flash. I will appoint whoever is chosen for her. For who is like me? Who will issue me a summons? Who is the shepherd who can stand against me? Therefore, hear the plans that the Lord has drawn up against Edom and the strategies he has devised against the people of Teman. The flock's little lambs will certainly be dragged away and their grazing land will be made desolate because of them. At the sound of their fall, the earth will quake. The sound of her cry will be heard at the Red Sea. Look, it will be like an eagle soaring upward, then swooping down and spreading its wings over Basra. 
In that day, the hearts of Edom's warriors will be like the heart of a woman with contractions. About Damascus, Hamath and Arpad are put to shame, for they have heard a bad report and are agitated like the anxious sea that cannot be calmed. Damascus has become weak. She has turned to run. Panic has gripped her. Distress and labor pains have seized her. Like a woman in labor, how can the city of praise not be abandoned, the town that brings me joy? Therefore her young men will fall in her public squares. All the warriors will perish in that day. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. I will set fire to the wall of Damascus. It will consume Ben-Hadad's citadels. About Kedar and the kingdoms of Hazor, which King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon defeated, this is what the Lord says. Rise up, attack Kedar, and destroy the people of the east. They will take their tents and their flocks, along with their tent curtains and all their equipment. They will take their camels for themselves. They will call out to them. Terror is on every side. Run, escape quickly, lie low, residents of Hazor. This is the Lord's declaration, for King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has drawn up a plan against you. He has devised a strategy against you. Rise up, attack a nation at ease, one living in security. This is the Lord's declaration. They have no doors, not even a gate bar. They live alone. Their camels will become plunder and their massive herds of cattle will become spoil. I will scatter them to the wind in every direction. Those who clip the hair on their temples, I will bring calamity on them across all their borders. This is the Lord's declaration. Hazor will become a jackal's den, a desolation forever. No one will live there. No human being will stay in it even temporarily. This is the word of the Lord that came to the prophet Jeremiah about Elam at the beginning of the reign of King Zedekiah of Judah. This is what the Lord of Army says. I am about to shatter Elam's bow, the source of their might. I will bring the four winds against Elam from the four corners of the heavens, and I will scatter them to all these winds. There will not be a nation to which Elam's banished ones will not go. I will devastate Elam before their enemies, before those who intend to take their lives. I will bring disaster on them, my burning anger. This is the Lord's declaration. I will send the sword after them until I finish them off. I will set my throne in Elam, and I will destroy the king and officials from there. This is the Lord's declaration. Yet in the last days, I will restore the fortunes of Elam. This is the Lord's declaration. Psalm 26. Vindicate me, Lord, because I have lived with integrity and have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and mind, for your faithful love guides me, and I live by your truth. I do not sit with the worthless or associate with hypocrites. I hate a crowd of evildoers, and I do not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocent and go, innocence and go around your altar, Lord, raising my voice in thanksgiving and telling about your wondrous works. Lord, I love the house where you dwell, the place where your glory resides. Do not destroy me along with sinners, or my life along with men of bloodshed, in whose hands are evil schemes, and whose right hands are filled with bribes. But I live with integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground. I will bless the Lord in the assemblies. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? When evildoers come against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It's what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord 
and seeking him in his temple. For he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Then my head will be high above my enemies around me. I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. My heart says this about you. Seek his face. Lord, I will seek your face. Do not hide your face from me. Do do not turn away your servant in anger. You have been my helper. Do not leave me or abandon me, God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord cares for me. Because of my adversary, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. Do not give me over to the will of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing violence. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. Amen. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God concerning them is for their salvation. I can testify about them, Israel, that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, since they are ignorant of the righteousness of God and attempted to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Since Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law, the one who does these things will live by them, but the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart who will go up to heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will go down into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. On the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation." For the scripture says everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard through the message about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Yes, they did. Their voice has gone out to the whole earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? Well, first Moses said, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that lacks understanding. And Isaiah says, boldly, I was found by those who were not looking for me. I revealed myself to those who were not asking for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and defiant people. Well, dear friends, remember the promise of Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Look to Jesus in faith believing. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. Good day and Godspeed.